Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Epsilon and their award-winning People Cloud Loyalty Solution. Personalization should be integrated into the entire customer experience, including, of course, your loyalty program. With this in mind, Epsilon recently released a guide outlining six key components that will put you on the path to personalizing your entire loyalty experience. This guide challenges you to do some housekeeping and reconsider how you think about your current and future loyalty personalization efforts. So, to download your copy of the report, visit epsilon.com forward slash let's talk loyalty. Hello and welcome to episode 145 of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today, I'm back in one of my favorite countries in the world, both personally and professionally. South Africa is a fascinating country of over 60 million people with 11 official languages, three capital cities and plenty of ethnic diversity. Amanda Cromhout is the founder of a boutique loyalty consulting firm called Truth and she's joining me today for a second time. We're here to discuss the latest findings from the Truth and Brand Map 2021 South African Loyalty White Paper which was created from the country's largest study of consumer behaviour in the recent year. While the programmes you will hear us discuss are obviously only relevant locally, the trends and insights are definitely relevant globally. So, I hope you enjoy listening to my latest conversation with Amanda Cromhout from Truth in Cape Town, South Africa. So, Amanda, first of all, welcome back to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks, Paula. Absolutely lovely to chat to you again. Great, great. And I'm sure it's been a hectic week since you launched the white paper last week, has it? Yeah, it's great. It's an important uh, thing in the South African loyalty diary. So yeah, it's been, everyone's interested and that's the response we needed. So yeah, it's great. Thanks. Wonderful, wonderful. So you've given me some incredible insights already, Amanda, on the key topics we're going to talk through today. Uh, But let's open, as we always do, with your favorite loyalty statistic with all of this amazing research hot off the presses. Great, thanks. So yeah, the survey that we um, have released, the white paper is in collaboration with a company called Brandmap. And Mm -hmm. well, the study is called Brandmap. The company is called Y5. And they survey online um, and the responses are online. So it does skew towards customers with a household income of 10,000 rand or more in South Africa, which is approximately, uh, what's that in dollars? Uh, 650, I think I worked it out, or 675, yeah. Yeah, household income. So it's household a, income. You know, so yeah. it really is the majority, it's certainly the majority of economically active South Africans, like 80% of consumer spend is captured in this survey. So okay. it, we are confident, Brand Map and Truth, are co- we're confident from the data to be able to say that 70 for the stats you've asked me for, 74%. <laughs> so 74% of economically active, and I'll stop saying that after this introduction, of okay. South, economically active South Africans are using loyalty programs. So that's 
an enormous quantum of all consumer spend is captured by loyalty programs in the South African market. Yeah. And I actually think you're right, Amanda, to to emphasize the economically active because South Africa has, um, you know, very different demographics to, I guess, anywhere else in the world. So there are an awful lot of people who are not economically active and therefore won't be relevant for loyalty program owners and certainly this audience. So so no problem with that being emphasized. But, you know, wow, what a statistic. Seventy four percent. Were you delighted? Absolutely. It is up versus last year. So last year actually was 2019 data, but we released the white paper in March 2020. And that was 72%. So that is an increase. Um, It's not the highest it's ever been, but it is Mm -hmm. an increase. So the highest it's ever been was in 2017, where we saw the statistic at 79% of, mm. you know, consumer spend, uh, active South Africans um, yeah. using loyalty programs. But yeah, it is up. And um, even so, even if it was at its um, 2019 data at 72%, mm. it's still a gargantuan number. It is. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And you also um, did explain to me before we came on air, I suppose the absolute numbers is about 30,000 people. And you also emphasized, which I think is useful for the audience to understand, it's 100% of taxpayers in South Africa. So it really is the full addressable market from a loyalty perspective. Yes. And the brand map study, I mean, research to 33,000 people is a solid piece of research. You know, you got, it's, yeah. it's robustly very very yeah. solid. And they've been doing their brand map study for nine years. So their, their actual study covers so much more than loyalty. We're just lucky enough to work with them in partnership to gather nice. the loyalty data for our white paper. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I think you said to me there's there's 200 odd measures of consumer behavior that brand map are, are capturing. And you obviously hone in on 20 or, you know, 20 or, or so questions which are relevant for your needs, for your clients, for your market. So, as you said, it's extraordinary to be able to piggyback and everybody gets the benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And the industry does as well, because the industry uses this and we're able to use it to help clients throughout the year and a lot of yeah. the industry has been in touch with us already saying, okay, great, let's let's unpack it in more detail. So, so yeah, Wonderful. it is a win-win for sure. Great, great. And I was looking back, Amanda, because as you said, the last study that you released um, was completed in 2019. And would you believe your appearance on my show um, was episode number 27, March 19th, 2020. I think in Dubai, we were two days in lockdown. You're probably the same in South Africa. Wow, goodness. I know there's yeah. so many of those moments. In fact, uh, we were chatting on the, the launch last week. Brandon, from who talked through, he works for Y5, he talked through the brand map results. He said, actually, that the, we had a live event last year, and that was, I think, probably the last, certainly the yeah. last group gathering I'd been in for 18, yeah. 18 months now. So, <laughs> Oh, my Lord. Well, hopefully sometime soon again, Amanda, huh? Yeah, and I think what I love about this year's white paper, this release, it really is a view of life captured of consumer behavior throughout lockdown, you know. So we've been able Mm -hmm. to see some fascinating results that really do reflect the 18 months or the 12 months because the data, the research went into fields in March and April. So it captures 12 months of COVID-impacted consumer behavior. Got it. 
Got it. Wow. So where should we start, Amanda? What is the first thing that you learned from this incredible piece of research that our audience uh, would love to learn? Yeah. So before I talk about the actual brands that have changed their sort of hierarchy of usage numbers, what we yeah. did what we did find <laughs> is that male usage is up dramatically and wow. has surpassed females, um, which has never been seen before in, in our marketplace, in the South African marketplace. So 76% of the males um, from the survey are using loyalty programs, 72% of females. And that number yeah. has never been higher, male versus female. And wow. That does, I really believe that does reflect COVID times because, you know, yeah. everyone's working from home. Okay, I'll go and do the shopping today sort of behavior. Yeah. You share the household chores, the household consumer spend responsibilities. And, and, and therefore, I think, you know, the male consumers become more in tune to the benefits of yeah. loyalty programs and particularly in retail. When I unpack the different industry behaviors, you'll see that, you know, yeah. not surprising retail has been on the up. But yeah, yeah, we've seen the we've seen higher male usage versus previously and higher now versus female. Wow. And- I know. Fascinating. <laughs> well, I I, often, I just I was thinking back as you were telling me, Amanda, you know, to my, I suppose, kind of media days and, you know, when you're booking advertising, for example, for brands. And we would always say now this was, you know, maybe 20 years ago, I will say, and in a digital context. Um, so possibly skewered to a younger demographic, actually. But at the time, we always said that women made about 80 percent of household decisions. Like we were that sure that it was just women who, you know, had the interest, had the time and and maybe just put the effort in. So it's absolutely extraordinary. I think it's the first time actually I've ever heard of a marketing study that has men more engaged and active than women. I know, same, absolute same. So it'd be yeah. interesting to see if that continues as maybe normal yeah. life kicks back in. But, <laughs> let's, uh, but we're let's delighted hope. as well because, you know, it's, it's the relationship yeah. has been, uh, brands can hold on to an existing relationship with their female or it's female consumers and now maybe they can actually penetrate mm. more of the the more skeptical mm. you know more male consumers been a bit more skeptical in the past of loyalty programs we see that in a boardroom discussion that um, yeah. often a boardroom might be you know even 50 50 or 80 20 whatever the statistics split yeah. um and the guys are always the ones who say Ah, oh, I don't use loyalty programs. <laughs> and you totally. Actually, you actually have to unpack it for them and say, well, actually, the South African male consumer does. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I do think as well, as you said, for, for a brand that's looking to influence household decisions, it's one thing to be driving them through one member of the household, whichever one it might be, if there was a lead. But to have access, as you said now, to, to you know, two uh, people in the same household and, um, you know, getting the same communications, engaging with the same programs. I think it's much more likely that the message will finally cut through because I always think that especially has, you know, the number of programs increases. And I know you've seen growth in that as well. I definitely think, you know, the best programs are the ones that will be able to get their message, you know, in different ways to the same people in those households. Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously if you break it down brand by brands, which brand, mm-hmm. the brand map study can do, we don't publish it in the okay. white paper in that level of detail. But if, if we were breaking mm-hmm. it down by every single one of say the top 25 most used loyalty programs, they will then give you an actual percentage split out of 100% of yeah. male versus female. So um, 
so we don't we don't publish that level of data, but it is it's readily available. It's available. And, um, super, yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved the usage figure. Um, and I also loved, Amanda, that you compared it to the recent U.S. statistics. So obviously the bond brand loyalty report yeah. came out recently and also versus some usage statistics from Australia. So will you share with the listeners exactly what's happening in terms of the number of programs that South African uh, members are are connecting with or engaging with? Or members of, pardon me. Yeah, so so the South Africans are now members of 8.7 programs on average. Obviously, it's an average, um, yeah. which in isolation doesn't probably mean very much. But versus the 2019 study, it's up by 50%. So that's massive. Wow. It was 5.6 programs. So we see a 50% increase there. So we've wow. seen this huge leap from 5.6 to 8.7. In mm-hmm. fact, when the, we first started tracking these number of programs it was 2014, it was 3.6 programs. So we've really wow. seen the growth <laughs> over the seven years. But yeah. then if we do look at the comparative stats, as you suggested from, it was great that we had the bond study mm. um, and the Australian figures had come out previously. You mm. see in the US, you know, the US bond of tracks, the US market at 16.7 programs average. Canadian yeah. 13.4 and then mm. the Australians is a lot less at 4.4 um, yeah. versus South Africa at 8.7. So um, mm. surprise, you know, it's the first time we've seen actually that figure in South Africa go up so dramatically and um, it's good mm. to see its comparison globally. What we yeah. do see though, even though I said that more male consumers are using loyalty programs than before and slightly more than female consumers, in terms of the actual number of programs, the females are members of more programs. So okay. the more males are using loyalty, but females are, those females that are using loyalty are members of more programs than their male counterparts. So, um, okay. But that gap has narrowed. So if we track it year on year over the past six or six years, it mm. used to be plus or minus 30% difference between the two genders, and now it's 20%. So males mm. are members of 7.9 programs and females at 9, 9.5. Mm. So we're seeing the gap narrow, but the females are still sort of more acutely aware of the number of programs they can participate in. Mm. Okay. So so already I'm thinking we have to book you in for your annual appearance, Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> so we can... <laughs> We track can track out this. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally, which I know you do. So so that's always what's amazing. I think you said it's the it's the sixth year of your participation and, and publishing this white paper, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I think that's what makes it more and more interesting now because on writing yeah. this year's paper, um, which I absolutely thoroughly enjoy doing because it really gets your head out of you know, yeah. uh, it just gets your head into a sort of strategic space for the market rather than per client. Yes. Yeah, um, we were able to really look at so many of the measures over time, which obviously we can now do so because we've got the the longitudinal study coming from Brandmap. Brandmap's actually in its ninth year, and this wow. is the sixth time we've issued the white paper. And the mm. his, history of the white paper is obviously the data, the most up to date data is relevant for this year, but the yeah. previous stories because each year we pick off different strategic loyalty stories. So I always say mm. to our clients, you know, if you actually just want the good old fashioned loyalty read, you can download yeah. any of them because they've all got different angles and different stories to, mm. to, to that we focused in on in that particular year. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, as long as we know, you know, when is something is coming from, there are still conclusions that provoke interesting thoughts and thinking. So so I know you keep all of those white papers from every year on the Truth website, Amanda, so people can go in and download any of them and all of them, I guess, if they want some bedtime reading. Yeah, absolutely. Quite a lot of bedtime reading, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're probably a bit too geeky, quite for bedtime. But anyway, the option is there. Yeah. So listen, my favorite statistic, I think you described it as, as the million dollar question. And I'm not sure how many markets actually ask it as, as maybe as well as you do. But the particular question about, you know, does membership of loyalty programs actually influence where you shop and what you buy? So will you share with the listeners the incredible results you got on that question? Yeah, so this is, it's a deliberate question to, um, because it's A, extremely important and B, it actually then is super helpful for brands to argue the cause within their organization later down the line. So that particular question, exactly, does it influence behavior? So the criteria we ask is um, how, you know, does it, it's as simple as that, does it influence your behavior Mm. so where I shop the products I buy where I buy fuel where I bank the places I eat and then there is a question in there that says all of the above and interestingly 27% of respondents say all of the above so whatever stat I'm about to give you you actually need to add all of the above to it so I could give you the stat with all of the above built into the answers so the results are 91% of the consumers who are saying they use loyalty programs are influenced where they shop by loyalty. Mm. 67% the products they buy are influenced. 64% where I buy fuel, 60% where I bank, and 46% where the places I eat. So Mm. in terms of, you know, is the investment in loyalty worthwhile? I know there's a million other different criteria yeah. and, and measurements you can use this is a strong indicator of of you know how people feel and what the brand map study actually allows you to do if you if if a brand wanted to is to then go okay well can I look at a consumer mm-hmm. who is deeply using my product and how they feel about that because yeah they can then look at okay which which consumers said they use brand x and how do they respond to this question Okay. Okay. And, and I know what we always have to do, I guess, Amanda, as consultants is um, expect somebody to play devil's advocate. Yeah. So for, for the purposes of my amusement today, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what, what I could hear, you know, some people uh, maybe commenting, maybe let's say the more skeptical uh, people. And we know that that is a very big problem in our industry, I will, I will say. Um, so what they might say is, well, people say things and then they do things differently. How do you respond and how would you, what would you recommend loyalty practitioners say if they get that kind of challenge internally about what customers say they do and what they, you know, then actually always do? Absolutely, Paula. I mean, that's the challenge of any research study, isn't it? So it's claimed behavior, not actual behavior. So the only thing I can back that up with is, well, therefore rip up every piece of research you've ever read because it's not just (laughs) about loyalty. But yes. otherwise, you know, if you take global stats of change behavior, you know, you've had many a practitioner on your show that talks about the incrementality measurement of loyalty yeah. programs. You know, I think um, yeah. 
I love the stat you had a few months ago from Epsilon where the gentleman mm. was talking about plus 10% incremental sales performance, which is such a massive number. Yeah. You know, so that's actually saying, okay, well, if I take 100 million turnover because of loyalty and nothing else, it's going to become 110 million. Yeah. You know, so we always, whenever there are, and that is probably the biggest um, intellectual debate we have around um, loyalty with clients is over, well, how do you prove the value of yeah. it? So this, yeah. as you say, from our survey, from the brand map survey is claimed change of behavior, but it's mm-hmm. not just, we're not talking about 5% of people say this, we're talking about 90%. So yeah. even yeah. if it was 50% wrong, it's still a massive number. You know, <laughs> well, actually so. that was going to be my exactly my own response going, yes, you can't dismiss everybody. <laughs> you yeah, know, we, yeah. <laughs> we all exaggerate, but we don't totally kind of lie. You know, we, that's yeah. what we think we're doing, you know? So there has to be a lot of truth in it. And again, human beings being human beings, it's hard to know, but they, no, I I think that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, I don't believe 91% of the respondents are wrong. You know, and I'm not going to exactly. hang on to the 9% that said they don't <laughs> aren't influenced. True. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. And tell us about the generational piece, because I think, you know, probably consistent with other markets, Amanda, there is, you know, um, you know, certain cohorts that are more disengaged than others. So, so what did you find for South African consumers? Yeah, exactly that. As you said, it's quite similar to other markets. When we read um, from the UK, the um, YouGov study from the UK, they mm-hmm. also claimed this exactly the same insight around the younger generation is certainly less engaged in loyalty programs. So mm-hmm. we see, if I go back to that first statistic of 74% of South Africans are using loyalty um, yeah, that's that for the 18 to 24 year old age bracket is 46 percent. So it's dramatically Ooh. less. Yeah. Uh, and what we've seen over time is it's started. It started off dramatically less um, when we started recording it in the white paper. But and then it increased quite a lot and then it has dropped off um, further. So it's 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 not quite at it. It's at its absolute actually it is i'm just triple checking it is last time we uh, brand map measured it in 2019 it was also 46 percent. so no change since pre-covid and that's the lowest two years since we've been measuring it so you know we i read what came out of the um the yougov the mando connect yougov study and mm-hmm. everything they said actually resonated with the same for the south african marketplace so you know it's very much that if you look at what the younger generation want from loyalty programs, not mm-hmm. dismissing the fact that everybody wants cash back, everybody still wants cash as their number one um, yeah. benefit from programs. But if you look at the softer benefits and you look at the softer opportunities that brands can present to their, their membership bases, the younger customer is looking to share more, is looking to donate more, is looking to do more for you know, so social responsibility and court brands just aren't quite going far enough on that. It's almost like, well, okay, you can give your points away, but well, what about mm. going a bit deeper? Can we not really make a difference? So I do mm. think the younger generation that that that's certainly a comment that came out of the Mando Connect report from the UK is that yeah. there's just not enough genuine connection with social responsibility. Um, yeah. 
But let's not also dismiss the obvious. A younger consumer earns less. They're either maybe just yes. starting out in their career and they're, or they're students or whatever the position they're in. And if you mm. earn less, you've got less to spend. So you're going to get less benefit and therefore use loyalty programs less. Because there, yeah. is, there is a direct correlation between um, income, claimed income and usage, um, mm -hmm. loyalty program usage. But it's not as dramatic as the age drop off. So the younger customer drops mm. down to 46%, but the yeah. lowest income bracket of this survey drops down to 68% versus mm. 74 as the average. So it's okay. not as dramatic a drop off, you see. So mm. the, the youth of not only is it a income factor, income mm -hmm. therefore spend factor, but it's also a Uh, an, uh, an approach, you know, are these programs yeah. doing enough? But also the digital adoption in South Africa, yes, there is progress, but they're not, you know, it's not instant enough. It's not technically mm. amazing mm. enough for the youngsters to, you know, I talk to my kids about it and they're kind of like, mm. what do you mean I've got to wait? Or what do you mean I've got to build up <laughs> points? Or, you know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The whole yeah. concept of delayed gratification is, yeah. is let's say, not as well established in uh, in younger folks, huh? <laughs> in everything, not just loyalty programs. <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't be surprised, Amanda, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And one thing I would add as well, because there was there was just something I loved in a recent interview as well. And I don't know if you've seen it, Amanda, but it was um, uh, a fabulous guy, David Canty, very well known in the industry and uh, particularly in the US. But um, there's a program there which is really, really relevant for the younger demographic uh, because it's based on rewarding rental payments. So if you rent an apartment or a house or, you know, even I, I, I dare say student accommodation, yeah. you know, they've managed to find, you know, where the majority of that demographic are spending whatever income they have is probably on rent yeah. rather than, you know, luxury goods or going to the pharmacy or whatever. So, so I definitely think the relevance of categories does get you know it mm. does increase I guess as we get older so um I thought there was there was, there was a lot of insight there around oh yeah rent is something that that demographic is spending their money on so so maybe loyalty is only relevant in sectors like that you know yes and yeah I absolutely um I feel I feel the power of that because we've done some really interesting work for a couple of clients here in South Africa actually who have Great. got really interesting um, accommodation, rental um, pools set up with really kind of great accommodation, like low cost, but modern and fresh and inspiring and no, and no kind of 12 month lease period. You know, it's more of a monthly come as you go kind nice. of relationship. And they've engaged with us on, on lo how loyalty can play its role in terms of rewarding great paying behavior and rewarding for payment on The, mm. you know, actually for paying rent and all the other stuff you can do as a great tenant you know so if you're a phenomenal yeah. tenant you look yeah. after the property you give notice you tell them when there's a problem with the electricity or whatever whatever and yeah. all of those non-transactional behaviors around just living in a shared accommodation can be rewarded yeah. as well yeah And I know we're going to come on to talk about the categories of usage, Amanda, and banking is is a, a really big one, obviously, in South Africa. And again, just as a final point on the on the rental uh, concept, what I loved is uh, certainly with Built Rewards, they're building up the credit score for people who yeah. are 
as you said, extraordinary tenants paying their bills on time and at some point will want that data to go, you know, and, and get a mortgage, please God. So to yeah. get them onto home ownership. So so I love that kind of uh, giving back to the, the consumer for behaving again in a way that we want them to. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's really, it's, really, it's great. And it's, you know, if you can capture the younger consumer yeah. at this age, then that's a great li- totally. lifelong relationship, hopefully. Exactly, exactly. So tell us about the categories then, Amanda. Um, I know when we talked before, it's not surprising, obviously, that uh, grocery retail is uh, probably what benefited most, dare we say it, from our very unusual circumstances in the last um, 12 to 18 months. Um, So maybe just give us a a sense of what's happening with loyalty usage across the various different uh, categories of spend. Yeah. So obviously, as you say, the one thing all of us around the world were allowed to continue doing (laughs) during (laughs) lockdown was eating. And I think many of us did too much of that. So the the grocery retailers definitely all grew the most in terms of loyalty usage. And we saw that the brand that came out as the most used loyalty program had previously been the most used loyalty program when we started the white paper series and Mm -hmm. then dropped into second position has now regained its top position only by one percentage point versus clicks for uh, your second. Okay. Okay. But pick and pay smart shopper is sitting with 80% of economically active South Africans using the smart shopper program. Wow. And they have grown by 22 percentage points versus 2019, which is massive. Oh, wow. It was- and it's quite a new program as well, isn't it, Amanda? Um, it's 10 years, plus or minus 10 years. So it's oh, not, 10. Yeah, oh, pardon it's not me. The, I think you may be thinking there is another big grocery retailer in South Africa with a new program, which is yeah. only 18 months old, which is Checkers. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, they've come straight into the market in fourth position. So from wow. nothing to fourth with 60% using the program. So they've done exceptionally wow. well to come in so high so quickly. Um, yeah. They have an enormous footprint in terms of store coverage. But okay. the grocery retailers, you know, when I look at spa rewards who are in sixth position, they've grown by 16 points. Macro wow. um, has grown by 14 points. So, you know, it's really at Woolworths, which is a combination of groceries plus um, general merchandise and fashion is 14 points, percentage points up. So wow. they've all benefited. Um, well, I wouldn't say benefited. They've all given the South they've African consumer what yeah. they needed and loyalty has been part of that proposition. Okay. So the okay. other the other categories, I mean, what's interesting actually is when you speak, I, we did an interview with Pick and Pay without letting them know they'd won. Oh. Um, and they were, <laughs> uh, they were, their loyalty person was great in terms of, giving us some really great insights. Um, Melissa Hanley, she's head of loyalty and strategic partnerships at Pick and Pay. She announced that the sales um, percentage of loyalty, so loyalty users percentage of their total spends has grown from 63% to 75% in the last fiscal. And they're putting it down to the introduction of the Smart Shopper program of something called Smart Prices, so traditionally, the Smart Shopper program, it was a points-based program with, you know, it was actually a half percent on grocery spend, or not just mm. grocery, on any spend in pick and pay, plus mm. personalized vouchers. So they've been using the data for many years to offer relevant discounts to you on your shopping behavior. 
But now they've introduced aggressively in store smart prices that is the very best price in the store is available Mm. to you and you can see it and it's bold and it's bright yellow in a a traditionally blue store. Their their branding is blue. Um, But you have to be a smart shopper to get smart prices. So they've really really combined baseline points program with personalized vouchers with best price in store for members. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's super compelling. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to see the story come through over time. I mean, they are 10 years old, so they're not a baby in the program, in the loyalty mm. world, and they've developed it over time. So it's wow. It's good to see the difference. And then yeah. the other categories that we, we don't deliberately go out and measure certain categories. It's just how the consumers respond. So the other categories are obviously um, financial services, which has banking and insurance in there. Then mm-hmm. there's the restaurants and the QSR environment. Then we we pull out travel. And then actually we have a fifth category of other because we can't pull telco out separately because actually there's only two or three brands in it. Or we can't okay. pull, um, you know, DSTV rewards, uh, which is okay. satellite TV. Yes. There's only the one brand with a loyalty gotcha. program. So they okay. all get put together. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And we'll definitely link to that interview with uh, with Pick and Pay. Uh, Amanda, I think um sounds like Melissa is doing, as you said, incredible work. And I love when we get insights like that, that, you know, a brand is proud of and able to share. So I'm sure everybody listening to this show would, would love to hear more about that. Yes. So, um, they, and, and as, as what I do like is they've been in the market for years. They started off, they have a big footprint in South Africa. Don't get me wrong. They are extremely... Yeah proud yeah. South African brand. Um, and as they were at number one in the most used program, as I said, but then Clicks, Clicks Club Card is over 25 years old, an extremely wow. established loyalty program and mm-hmm. um, held on to that number one spot. But it's, it, it really is only one percentage dif- difference between them. But okay. um, I know it's a fiercely competitive spot. <laughs> So totally. um, let, pick and pay every game top spot. So I won't take that away from them at all. That's amazing. Wonderful. And then I know one of your favorite questions as well is around, you know, what program do South African consumers say that they couldn't live without if they could only keep one of the, what did we say, 8.7 that they're, they're members of? So tell us the big news on that one. Yeah, this is probably my favorite question. So I think you said your favorite was the influence question. This one is probably yeah. my favorite in the sense that it forces the consumer to say, okay, well, I'm a member of these 8.7 out of those, which one would I hold on to if you force me to? Yeah. And what is the most fascinating out of this? So whilst we see in the most used loyalty program lineup, the top 10, within the top 10, there's only one non-retail brand in there mm-hmm. whereas in this question what comes out the top seven brands are all financial services and then retail kicks in for the next uh, two and then another financial services so eight out of the top 10 are financial services so wow. really i'll give you a lineup of who comes out top but mm-hmm. um it really gives you a sense that that's Financial, the financial services brands are tying loyalty so strongly into their core value proposition that actually if yeah. I had to stop swiping my credit card, I would lose the most rewards. Wow. Because obviously you can use your credit card at your grocery retailer and fuel. And so the, 
that multi-partner exactly. coalition type setup, even if it isn't necessarily a multi-partner program, yeah. which most of them yeah. are anyway. But even if it's not, I can still get the most value out of out of the financial services loyalty program. And right now in a in these torrid times, you know, I need mm. the most value. Mm. So mm. what the company that came first last year in this in this question also top the table again this year. So it's FMB eBucks. They've been around for 21 years now. Um, wow. Um, 43% of South Africans said this is the one program they can't live without. Wow. But what's really interesting is when you really dig under the layer of detail that we show. So for example, Investec Rewards. Investec is a bank um, in South Africa, a more affluent bank than mass okay. markets. Okay. And they don't even feature in the top 25 most used loyalty programs. So what okay. we see is, for example, only a small amount of South Africans, 3% of South Africans claim to even use Investec Rewards. But oh, those yeah. customers who do, when they're asked with this question, yeah. 32% of them said, I would never give it up. It's the one Ooh. I'd hold on to. So they come in at the fourth yeah. most ranked program, the one they can't live without. So it really gives you a sense of the almost the brand love that a, a yeah. loyalty program has created within its users. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That, yeah. I hope yeah. that makes sense. It it does. And, um, you know, FNB, so First National Bank, is that what that stands for? Am I right yes. with the acronym? Yes. Okay. So First National Bank of South Africa, eBooks, which I believe is what, a 21-year-old loyalty program. So again, super well established, isn't it? Very established, has been, you know, has been like Clicks Club Card, one of the oldest, most um, longest standing programs in the market. And yeah, um, Wow. You'll, you'll, you know, Johan Mulman, their CEO, talks very openly about two, two things I resonate with what he always says is number one, we are here to serve the bank, obviously to serve our customers, but ultimately, yeah, we're, we're part of the bank. We're not a standalone loyalty program. We, our strategy is the bank's strategy. So if the bank yes. is following a digital innovative first approach, eBucks will make sure we reward customers for for that kind yeah. of behavior. So Brilliant. it's very closely to trying to drive the bank's strategy, but obviously they, mm. want, they, they proudly say they give maximum value back to consumers. So they don't charge a monthly linkage fee and they, mm. they claim to have over 90% redemption rate of wow. e-bucks. So, you wow. know, um, Johan speaks very openly about that. And for the last two years, they've, 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 for, since we've been running the white paper series, they've been the top non-retail brands. So retail mm. always comes out top, but yeah, they've always been the next brand uh, eBooks. And then they've, for the last two years, we've asked us questions about which program can you not live without eBooks has come out tops. Wow. Wow. And, and thanks to your kind introduction, just so that listeners know, we do have an episode coming up with eBooks. So i um, very excited to get into that full story because as you said, um, they're so often quoted as just, you know, the, the golden child of, of really um, taking care of those customers. 90% redemption rates is extraordinary. And uh, obviously consumers feel that love and then feed it back to them. So yeah, I think they just must be super proud. It's an incredible story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great to report and see, you know, to see it over time. Um, yeah. And, but if we look at the financial services sector separately from retail and separately from that question about 
most loved loyalty program. You know, mm. the second program is Discovery Vitality, which I know you featured a few times, maybe yeah. not directly by talking to them, but featured. Yeah. Um, they, you know, in in if you speak to the Vitality team, they don't see themselves as a reward program. You know, they're, they're an enabler yeah. for better wellness, but they now have, as Discovery has a Discovery Bank and a Discovery Insure product. Yeah. It's not just about health and wellness. So the Vitality yeah program supports all of their product pillars whether it's health whether it's banking whether it's insurance um, and then the retail bank standard bank UCANT has done well this year it's become the sec you know it's come come in a, ahead of absa rewards and, mm-hmm. and ned bank greenback so the traditional banks have all come in and mm. then and then i know you interviewed a while back Brett from Old Mutual Rewards, they see themselves in sixth position in terms of financial services rewards programs. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. So again, it's it's absolutely fabulous. And I will say Discovery is definitely on the wish list. So please, God, come 2022, we'll be able to have a discussion with them as well. So um, so loads going on, Amanda. And I guess my final question was around the, the most surprising piece of uh, research or the, the surprising conclusion, uh, which came through in terms of, you know, how South African consumers like to identify themselves at the point of sale. I think you were equally blown away with this one huh yeah Paula it's just (laughs) fascinating so uh, we've been asking this question in the brand map study for three years now which what is your preferred identifier I don't think we use that exact question what do you prefer to show yourself in in a store is it a card is it app is it your cell phone number is it your id number because id numbers are very prevalent in south africa okay and every year a card identification has become at first, but we've expected the percentage to decline dramatically. So, and yeah. especially on the back of a COVID year, the year of the pandemic, <laughs> we were trying to totally talk. contactless and everything, you know, <laughs> not leaving the house. I mean, <laughs> it's just an obvious assumption. Obvious assumption. So I was, you know, if I was a betting woman, I would have put money on it. And <laughs> thank goodness I didn't because it's well, gone, it's gone even further in the reverse direction. So 76% of South Africans are saying we'd rather swipe a card than use app, cell phone, ID number, or other. Um, And then the app usage is only, the app usage is 27%. It's slightly up since 2019, which was 23%. Um, Remember consumers could choose either or. We haven't forced the one only, you know, do you like to use app? Do you like to use card? So that's why it doesn't add up to 100%. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's just incredible, actually. And it really shocks brands when we work with them over how to develop the best customer experience. That These are the stats yeah. that come through. But again, if you if you work with BrandMap and you dig beneath the surface, you mm. can't take that as a blanket response and apply it to every brand, every sector. Because, you know, if yeah. you're a British Airways Executive Club member, that number is dramatically different and pro-app rather than card interesting so it does depend on the sector and the brands we're talking about but overall it's 76 percent and yeah i mean i just don't know where to go with it amanda because (laughs) when (laughs) we're both ex-british airways which is is one um lovely thing we have in common as well and i've often said on this show actually what i remember from my you know very long you know it was 20 years ago now but i do remember that gold card holders loved showing the card so 
it, I'm sure there's also a, a different tier status. Again, if you dig into brand map, I'm sure you'd find, you know, that, um, you know, maybe British Airways gold card holders love to swipe. Maybe blue card holders uh, don't, you know, I, I don't know. But for me, there was, you know, the reason for swiping, there was around flashing the gold card. So the element of prestige, whereas obviously an app and being digital is just easier. But I do think there's an element of app fatigue as well. Like this is why I'm, I'm really not sure how I would how I would think about identifiers like as a consumer, my favorite identifier is my phone number because I just I, I always know it. It's not going to fail. Yes. Yeah, so this marketplace, same for me, but in the South African marketplace, interestingly, the use of an app and um, there's data issues. So consumers are concerned about using data because uh, it's a cost. OK, it's a um, cost. Yeah. But secondly, a lot of like I know my local grocery store, there's never any cell phone coverage. Like I feel like I'm in a FBI oh. safe house. I'm like literally <laughs> locked down. I can't use oh. anything. So that, wow. that's another issue. And then um, using a cell phone number for some customers, there's a lot of cell phone SIM swapping. So yeah. maybe gotcha. the more affluent customer, less so. But there's a lot of cell phone multi-SIMed customers. So it seems an obvious single identifier okay. to a lot of markets. But in South Africa, that can be sometimes problematic. Oh, I understand. So maybe the yeah. card is just the safest, it's the simplest, it's the, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it just still leaves me a little bit speechless each time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. yeah, as I said, you know, I think these are the, the, the fascinating discussions to be had as, as we go forward. And, you know, as we've alluded to, please, God, as we all get out of our houses back to, you know, hopefully full normality. Um, but I know I did say to you, and again, you know, listeners may have heard on the show, there was exactly the same conclusion from the Australian market in terms of the identifier of choice um, was very much a swiping of a card. And that's thanks to our friend Adam Posner, who's done his own, you know, again, equally comprehensive study there. So um, you're certainly not unique. Um, yeah. I think we all need to probably put our, our thinking caps together to understand exactly, you know, what is the driving force behind that. But certainly cards are going nowhere from what we can hear. Yeah, well, that's I think it's I, I can't say it's good necessarily because of the environment, but I yeah. we can't deny yeah. that's what the results are saying. So we it's will continue to work with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, that's it from my side, Amanda. Uh, again, it's a masterclass in strategic thinking. So first of all, thank you for your extraordinary work. I would expect that this must be, well, it clearly is a labor of love, but must be a huge thing that, um, that, that takes up an awful lot of your time every year and obviously adds immense value. Is there any other aspect of the study that I've missed out on that you want to mention? Um, and obviously, we'll make sure then to, to tell people exactly where they can find the study if they want to read it themselves. Um, thanks, Paula. The only other section that is a section in its own right, actually, is we introduced a new question through BrandMap this year for multi-partner usage. How do consumers feel about multi-partner programs? Because obviously okay. worldwide, they're huge. And South Africa, they're very, very uh, all over the place. You know, all brands are starting to go outside of a closed loop setup. Mm. So okay. well, there's a few that still remain closely, but multi-partner, but most fascinatingly, most South Africans don't understand what they are. There's a 34%, not most, but 
more than any other response. 34% of South Africans responded. I don't know what a multi-partner program is. Interesting. But, okay. Yeah. Okay. But of those customers who did know what they are, 25% said they thoroughly enjoy them because they can earn points faster. So it's an education okay. process at the end of the day. Okay. Okay. Well, also good because I do think, um, yeah, as, as loyalty professionals, we, we know education in so many areas, but it's interesting that multi-partner is particularly one, obviously, that's causing confusion. So definitely ones for brands to focus on for the future. Yeah. 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 To keep it simple and well explained. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us where can uh, listeners find the study then, Amanda? Yeah, it's very straightforward. If you go onto the Truth website, so it's www.truth.co.za mm-hmm. and the first thing you'll see is a click here to download the white paper. So truth.co.za yeah. and then you can download all of them if you wish, but the most obviously 2021 is the recent release with BrandMap. Yeah, yeah. And I know I've often just typed in Truth Loyalty South Africa if I couldn't remember the domain name. So so yeah. always super easy to find. Wonderful. Um, so obviously in the show notes as well, Amanda, I'll make sure that we link to the Truth website. I'll link to you on LinkedIn. Um, obviously, if anybody has any questions, I'm sure they can reach out to you or to me, I guess. Is that the best thing? Is LinkedIn the best place to contact you? Yes, with pleasure. Or my email direct, I'm not um, too concerned. Oh, direct, it's amanda at truth.co.za. So any questions, okay. please, yeah. Wonderful. Great. Okay. Well, listen, uh, that wraps up another fabulous show. And um, thanks again, as I said, for all of the work, all of the insights. So Amanda Cromhouse, founder and CEO of Truth South Africa. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks, Paula. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.